This meeting is being recorded. That is great. I think like uh, we are at the benchmark number of order six and uh, I thought that we will wait till uh, 50 and uh, maybe like uh, we will go ahead and um, start because like initially we have an introduction and then we are going to jump into the call. So I think that should be sufficient. As I said, uh, good morning or good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining from uh, various um, time zones. I would like to welcome you all for this uh, the first of its kind webinar conducted by uh, WTO Solutions. This is Madhu Kesavan. I'm the founder and CEO of WTO Solutions. And we are a technology company and we build web solutions, mobility solutions, enterprise and data analytics solutions. That is our uh, primary core 40. We actually have been conducting regular webinars for internal teams in the sense within the team, like we conduct various discussions, various presentations to grow our team strength, to build the talent, to let them understand all the engineering concepts. That is what like we have been doing so far. At the time we have been thinking that why not we can take such a webinar, such a presentation to the external team, such as the prospects, clients, business leaders, decision makers, C-level executives. That is what we have been doing today. This is the first of its kind, as I said, the first webinar that we are going to talk about planogram analysis for the open market in the sense for the external players. So we have our presenter here, Raman Narayanan. He is around 15 plus years of experience in uh, data engineering and he is doing like various technology solutions, offering technological architect solutions for data engineering, AE and ML. He also has an international exposure along with multinational companies working exposures. Before getting into this presentation, I would like to tell a couple of points. One is if you wish us to reach us, you can reach us at that footer, footer note um, phone number, which is 512-375-4345 or with to our email address, bd at wtsolutions.com. And the second thing is, whenever the presentation is going on, if you would like to ask or raise any questions, you can directly unmute yourself and you can shoot the questions or else you can also raise your um, 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 the hand raise symbol at the Zoom meeting, so that like we should be able to find out, we should be able to um, um, let you ask your questions, so that it will be a complete interactive discussions. Also, we have a chat option here. If you want to raise, ask any questions, you can use the chat options so that you can reach us. You can ask any questions that you have. Over to uh, Raman Narayanan. Please go ahead and um, show us what we have got. Thanks, Madhu. Uh, hi everyone, this is Raman. We'll get started. So just a small introduction about uh, uh, what we are going to um, you know, discuss today. So technology has always helped business in many ways. One is to make it stronger. Another one is to make it faster. Sometimes to go grow faster and you know, sometimes to handle very difficult situations. But today we, will, we are going to concentrate on another path where the technology is trying to become more intelligent. So it is trying to become more like a human. And we call that field of research as artificial intelligence in a vast terms. So everybody understands what artificial intelligence is, but um, you know, um, at, the, at the top level, but when it goes into uh, deeper levels, there are many levels to it. So the first step uh, in artificial intelligence or the first um, um, bigger achievement in artificial intelligence is the machine learning algorithms. And they concentrated more on the uh, classification problems. And the next step or the next bigger achievement were the deep learning algorithms. Today we'll be concentrating more on the applications of the deep learning algorithms, which is which concentrates more on um, identification and uh, processing. 
So some of the applications of the deep learning are um, in this, it's, it's speech recognition, or it is natural language processing, or computer vision, which is very famous and uh, uh, pretty much uh, used in most of the retail um, uh, areas these days. So we will concentrate more on the uh, computer vision of it. So to begin with, what computer vision is, um, it's like making computers see, just like how we see, which means it has to identify everything that it sees, classify, and provide more information about it. So the problem is actually complex, but the good thing is there are many algorithms available out there, and the research has taken to a very good place where we have real-life problems that we can solve using the computer vision. Some of the applications of computer vision that we are seeing in our news in our everyday uh, life is, uh, you know, in the in the field of agriculture, it can be used for um, uh, plant disease detection. And then, of course, self-driving cars are very famous, and uh, you know, it's catching up very good. And then, one of the applications is uh, to find the parking uh, occupancy, so whether there is a free spot or not and um, uh, reading uh, text or barcode. So sometimes reading the text can be uh, very tedious. You know, handwritten uh, text can be tedious. It's a tough problem. But um, with the advent of um, deep learning, we are able to do it in a good way. So moving on to the next step is uh, what computer uh, vision can do for retail. So there are many applications and we'll be seeing some specific problems that will help for uh, retail. But at the top level, you know, one is uh, empty shelf identification. So this is actually a good problem for um, uh, most of the retail stores because um, the moment some spot is actually empty, they want to uh, fill it up immediately for a better business. And the next is uh, brand identification. So uh, with brand identification, it becomes very easy uh, for the businesses to say like whether all the brands have been there or whether there are they have enough uh, uh, resources to refill and things like that. So those kind of problems are being solved and the computer vision is used in the retail industry on the top level uh, for these kind of activities. What brings together the computer vision across different domains is the object detection. So how to identify what is there in a picture that is submitted uh, to a particular model and how, how to interpret it. That's what brings every application together and that is the core engine. So once we are able to identify objects in an image, then we are in a position to solve one particular problem for that particular field. So what we will do is we will go through step by step and how it is done and what are the technical details that is needed. We'll, we'll take step by step. So on the top level, what happens is um, uh, lots of images are collected and then we are doing a processing called labeling. So once the images are labeled, then an output is obtained. That particular output contains information about the image and the labels that are actually added for that image. Once this XML or sometimes JSON output is available to us, we can actually start training a model. Once the model is ready, then we can start taking input images and then we'll be able to give an output, which will actually tell what are the objects available in a particular image. And for this to happen, we need to exactly train the, the labels for what objects we want to find. So let's say you want to identify a particular uh, shape like bottle then you have to train for that. Let's say you want to identify parachute, then you have to train for them. So you have to collect images for that particular object as much as possible, and then create the model out of it. So this is a high level of how the entire object detection process actually works. We will go in depth into one by one and how each things are happening. So in the process of collecting the images, right, there is one um, big problem. Uh, the thing is, uh, it's very tedious. So we have to collect as many images as possible. And sometimes the problem space is kind of not straightforward. So here, you know, all these things are um, uh, t-shirt. Uh, for the human mind, it's very easy to identify that these are t-shirts. 
but a complex process runs behind it to identify each one of them as T-shirt, as well as the computer is concerned, because there are changes in the design, there are changes in the textures, and there are changes that human mind cannot actually process, but we are able to find it as a, a T-shirt. So in order to solve these problems, right, we have to collect as many image, images as possible so that the computer can um, have the learning procedure perfectly done and we have a better output using those images. So what is what exactly is the problem when we are collecting the images, right? So the same image, you know, you take you take an image and then you run through the model, it will be able to identify what exactly the object is there. But on day two, if you upload the same image by taking again, the model might not work. The reasons are many. So one is we all know that we all can add filters on top of the images, right? So the colors and the lights that we are adding on top of the particular object and the weather conditions sometimes, all these affect the uh, quality of the image. And so it also affects the quality of the identification. So the, the fundamental problem is how many images can we collect and how many um, um, you know, situations or circumstances or uh, you know, what, is the, what is the list? There's no actually, there's no list for that. So that's where the uh, key, key problem is and that's where the solution also gets interesting that uh, how we are training our models, how well we are creating the input uh, resources. So to solve this problem, right, there are a few ways. We'll take a look at it. So one is definitely a manual collection and then, you know, adding a lot of different conditions, which is very, very difficult. And, uh, I'm, and I'm talking about, you know, um, uh, like um, uh, 200,000 or 300,000 kind of images for a good uh, prediction. So manual collection is actually not the solution, but there are companies that are doing, you know, big, big players. They are actually able to collect um, the images and then they are able to use those images for a training. And there is the next concept, uh, image augmentation. So what it does is it actually takes one image and then modifies it in a variety of ways so that one image is actually used as multiple images as far as the training is concerned. Feed um, when it is fed to the um, uh, training for creating the model. And there is a third method and that is a synthetic uh, data generation. So this is more about creating images from scratch, creating 3D models from scratch based on the images that we have. This is pretty much the future. But how much we have progressed in this area? Um, not much until recently, because I don't know how many of you have uh, uh, heard uh, the recent um, uh, release from AWS. Uh, Ground Truth. So they have actually added the synthetic data generation and what they claim is absolutely amazing because they say like given any object, you'll be able to create you know infinite number of images, infinite number of conditions, and everything is auto-generated. And you know they say it's about a click away. I haven't tried it personally because it's very very recent, probably June last week I guess. So pretty recent, and um, probably that's the future. We never know if that's the whether it is going to work or not, whether whether it is going to hold water in the real uh, world is something that we have to wait and see. Though these things have tried in the past, have been tried in the past, and then um, there are a few open source uh, solutions already available. But you know, a giant like AWS, who has you know, millions and millions of photographs to start with, actually has a good edge. So what? How I see? How I see this problem, right? So manual collection is definitely we cannot discard it, though it is tedious and depend, depends upon the situation. That is of the past. Image augmentation is something that we are doing today. Um, you know, on a on every day where we are doing the training and then synthetic data generation could be the future. So the best would be the manual correction plus image augmentation put together for the training that we are doing. And if synthetic data generation works, definitely we can add it to our architecture in creating better photographs. Slightly getting into more details about image augmentation, like what it is right as a, as a to picture is it. So this is just a sample, just to give an idea, like what happens when you give an image and, and when image augmentation happens, several images of the same image is created. 
sometimes you know bend sometimes with more light and then sometimes you know darker shades and things like that so that the training can become better moving on to the next topic so here what you are seeing is actually a tool uh, the screenshot of a tool and then uh, where the annotation happens so annotation is the process of um, you know creating an output about which part of the image is actually what so on the left you see all the options that i have where i can actually create um, um, you know upload the images and where i want to do the annotation and these bounding boxes that you see actually tell uh, what these items are so on the on the right where you see these are the labels that i'm having so i'm actually marking on the image and then i'm i'm telling uh, to the tool that what it is so once this kind of annotation is done for one image then the output that it generates will be in the form of i mean in this particular tool it is more of an xml format but there are other tools where you will get in a different format probably json so for each and every image you have to um, uh, do this process so you can imagine the kind of complexity that it has right if there is going to be like 200000 images then for the 200000 images we have to do it uh, manually and if there are multiple points then we have to do it in mul multiple ways and if there are you know the number of labels sometimes might increase after the uh, model is generated then which means we have to do that so again this area is still you know in you know, an open research and uh, the best is to do it manually but again the, the you know research has been going on to make it uh, more automated but as of now it's still a manual process this is just a sample of what we get out of that um, uh, annotation so we are actually getting the bounding boxes uh, the x min y min x max and y max which says which coordinates are actually this particular label is concerned about so the tool that is going to take these annotations and the images will start um, doing the training based on these values this is just to give an idea of what comes out of it we are moving on to the next problem space so now we were discussing about object detection and what is the complexity there right even in object detection we have we have come to a point where it is slightly different slightly complicated than the general object detection so this is shelf detection the reason for the complexity is because um uh, the type of the object it is because if you take a t-shirt or if you take a football if you take a apple then those things are pretty much same across all but when it comes to shelf right there is no standard format so you go to a retail shop and then you see um you know a pretty standard uh, five to six shelves long running and things like that that is shelf again you go to a um, uh, you know fashion store or dress store and then you see the kind of shelves we can't even you know even sometimes we find it difficult to say that it's a shelf because the way they have arranged it it's so catchy but at the same time it's very tricky for the computer to identify them as uh, shelves so we'll take a look at some of the you know simple shelves and some of the complicated shelves and some of the shelves that we see on the uh, day to day life so from the human's perspective it is a simple problem but from the computer's perspective it is a tough problem and even more tough when it comes to uh, training because we have to train it in such a way that uh, only the outer region is actually taken into consideration and the inner doesn't so um, i mean we we i mean there are i mean there are solutions are out there there are probably couple or three or three different kinds of solutions out there and we tried different solutions and then we came up with this what you see on the left was our uh, uh, first stage of identifying the uh, uh, shelves it was pretty bad in fact everything that was square was actually getting identified as shelf because that's the kind of that's the kind of data that we were trying to feed you know try we we got everything every kind of shelf and then we were trying to train it and eventually we have come to this point where we are able to identify shelves in a better way and the brand that you are seeing here is just for reference we wanted to uh, do something on the uh, real store something on the real image instead of creating something uh, so we have taken adidas as a reference just for reference sake and this custom logic that we actually wrote on top of it is actually getting better and we are still in the process of making it much better 
So this particular shelf that you are seeing, right? So this will work only for this kind of shelf, the custom logic. But this is this custom logic is pretty good enough because um, these kind of shelves will be used across the stores and pretty much across the countries also. Sometimes you know uh, you know brands like Gap, I've seen across the countries they use the same kind of structure. You when when you enter into the store, you feel exactly same. You don't know whether you are in the U.S. Gap or whether you are in um, uh, India Gap. So these kind of structures, once we create the model and keep it, and pretty much they they are going to be used for uh, uh, years. That's what is the idea. That's what is the understanding. So now that we have seen about object detection, the self detection, and the deep learning, everything. Now I think it's time that we put everything uh, together in the form of uh, what the solution is all about for uh, retail and. Uh, what a planogram is, we'll get there. So initially, what has happened before, um, uh, you know, data analytics, right? All the users' data, all the sales data, the business data, everything was actually collected together, and then a, a big data analytics engine was used to make it into an information. And finally, you know, there's a plan of execution that they have. They they have something that can make the business grow. They can make the business earn more money. And that's what the companies that are, you know, uh, the sales and the companies they're actually using, and they communicate. The business communicates with the sales and everything with using the planogram. So what is a planogram? We will we'll see we will see soon. But once we have the planogram, then all the object detection and the uh, the deep learning that we discussed so far is the engine that uses the planogram and the real images. To give us to show us whether the whether the what what the business has planned is actually going as per the plan. So it actually enforces whatever the data analytics is actually given as a solution for the business to grow. So that's where the deep learning, that's where the uh, object detection comes into play. It works hand in hand with planogram. Now we'll take a look at what a planogram is. So this is about this is the uh, so planogram is actually the end of data analytics we can say, and deep learning is the beginning of data analytics. So we can imagine it that way. So the end of data analytics is to say that what are the items that are actually going to be sold with other items and in what order and how to place them, and when 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 doing it in such a way. How efficient it will be, and how much the sales will be, and how much the business will grow. That's what the data analytics is all about, and that's what the data analytics ends in giving a planogram. But once the planogram comes right, the problem is actually huge. How to actually know whether um, the planogram is actually being met by the company or or the shop that is actually arranging the items, right? And then whether they are placing in the right order, whether they are putting every every item together. Or the num number of items that they have to be placed. So all these things are the problems that the computer vision will be able to solve. Once the planogram is available, once we are able to take an actual picture of the store, this particular deep learning uh, algorithms and the custom logic that we are writing on top of it, we will be able to incorporate these two images, find the respective values, and give a good picture to the business, saying where we stand. So what are the for both for the business and sales, right? There are actually almost same, but some of the things are different um, uh, for the business. Uh, whereas, you know, sales stops at the point, but business actually continues. We'll go by one by one by one. So, for both business and sales, it's very important that the right items have been um, placed in the shelf. What I mean by right items is, you know, for example, I'm saying, so let's say Lace is a brand. But there are multiple flavors of lace. So we have to know exactly where which flavor has to be placed. So that's what right item is about. So if, let's say in shelf two, only one particular flavor has to be placed, then only that particular um, uh, flavor is the right item there. And then the right order. So what to place when and where, at what time, right? So how to place it correctly. And then the right amount. So this this the right amount can be um, understood from um, uh, the fashion industry easily. So let's say if there is going to be like ten jeans placed in a particular shelf, then there has to be ten jeans there. So if there is going to be two less, 
then again we have to identify it as you know um, uh, there is an empty space there then we have to fill that and then nf buffer nf buffer doesn't actually come into the um, computer vision problem because it is more in the back end this is to make sure that whenever the computer vision actually tells that you know uh, the values have to be placed or there is an empty space where it needs to be filled then we have to make sure that uh, the sales has to make sure that it can come from the back end so these are the four problems that a sales will have but a business will have more uh, pressing problems so sales leave after they place the items but for the business they have to make sure that the items are uh, replaced uh, uh, immediately so at, at regular intervals and you know sometimes the customers actually rearranges the things so it is the it is the computer vision algorithm has to make sure that these items are found out and they have to be raised so that they can be put in the proper uh, location and then constantly we have to monitor the crowd there is a possibility that suddenly you know one offer comes in and then people come out and then there's going to be a huge business so that monitoring the crowd is also important for the business to make sure that they keep uh, uh, up on the so all these things so the majority of these places uh, computer vision uh, plays a role and then the kind of reports that it generates can be used by the business as a feedback to improvise now we'll move on to the next thing we have a small demo where the object detection is done using the planogram and um, um, once once we take a look at it we'll see what kind of architecture we have used on it and then we can proceed from there i have to move out of the presentation for a while so i'm just uh, going back on this Yeah. Um, hope uh, you're able to see um, the app. So this is on the emulator. As I mentioned before, uh, we wanted to uh, simulate a real uh, store um, scenario. So we used Aditas as a reference. So going into the store, and here this is one of the planogram that you see, where um, um, you know where the items has to be arranged in a particular way, as we discussed before. And I am using the picker, and I am, and I am choosing the particular image. So if you look at it, the planogram and the image actually matches. So you can see where the shoes have to be placed, and then, oh, sorry. Um, so where the logo exists, and then where the jackets exist, and where the t-shirts, and what kind of shirts. So there's a one-to-one -one mapping between the planogram and the uh, real store. So once it is uploaded, so what happens here is now we are uh, running it in the backend. We are not running it on the mobile as of now. So we have an API where the image was sent and the, the API has actually processed the image and we have uh, got the result with the bounding box about what was detected and um, at what uh, what location. So just to give an idea, there were like 12 objects detected and out of which five are the shirts and the, uh, seven are the shelf items totally. So, and the, the numbers that you see here are the percentage of confidence with which the detection was uh, made. So this is just one layer or one step where uh, after object detection, we collect the metrics. On top of it, we write the logic based on the business needs so that we create KPIs. Once the KPIs are ready, we will be able to send it to the business and the business will be able to use those KPIs um, to improvise the process. And even here, you might see some of the things might not be identified. That is on purpose because some of the objects we did not train. So that is to give you an idea that uh, you know each and every object has to be trained. And if something doesn't get trained, we can always train it and add it to the model and make the model better at the same time, make the process better. So I'm going back. Um, um, yeah, to the presentation. Yeah. So here is the architecture that um, we are moving towards and some parts of it we have already uh, built, but other parts of it are actually in the process. Uh, so either you know whether either a video feed or an image or anything that is taken from the mobile camera 
So there are two ways of processing it. It's one, one is the edge processing where the models are actually running on the mobile itself, where there is no need of any internet. And second is the cloud processing where we, this is what we have actually done. So where we send to the cloud and uh, uh, get it processed. This particular cloud processing can be a very simple API call. or can be as complex as a complete queue-based system where, you know, if there's going to be thousands of mobiles sending the images all at the same time, if they all get queued and the processing happen and then every mobile gets the push notification based on the image that they have uh, sent. So all this information can be stored either, either in the mobile internal database or on the cloud. And there is a complete syncing process between the uh, two. So um, there is a feedback mechanism built as a part of the app where the user themselves can actually add a value saying that the, the, the way the things are processed is not good. You know, some of the detections are not good. So there is a way they can actually add and it gets to the backend and in the backend it gets processed and once a particular amount of um, uh, images that, are, that were not processed correctly is reached, then automatically we can actually create a uh, retrain mode. And then once the models are retrained, we can distribute all the models to the uh, mobiles and we can also have the same model on the cloud. So there's a bigger architecture, but the core of it is mostly relying on the object detection, which we were able to actually showcase. So we are coming to the uh, final uh, uh, part of our uh, presentation. So based on all what we looked at, right? So planogram actually helps, actually helps uh, the business grow. But how better we do, how well we do definitely matters. What kind of KPIs we take uh, definitely matters. And then um, object detection uh, supports uh, planogram uh, complaints. So without object detection, we'll not be able to do the planogram complaints. We'll not be able to uh, push forward uh, or uh, give a better results on that. And the, the third point is, um, you know, it's a pretty common. Everybody knows that. Everybody says that. So computers cannot do what humans can because of our intelligence is you know, much better and uh, uh, we are much wiser. But there's a catch there, you know, when not trained properly. So if the training is good, if the training is much better, then there is a possibility that we can make computers, at least try to make computers as good as us. And that's, that brings us to the final point. You know, what computers can do, humans cannot. So just to make, just to you know, emphasize on this point, right? I've added an image on the left. So what you see here, it's a very famous uh, object detection image from uh, uh, TensorFlow. You can, you can check out in the examples. So here you see, you know, um, I, I think, I, I, I wish um, the image is uh, clear. But what it, it is identifying person, it is identifying kite. So those are the uh, two different objects that it is identifying. But the beauty is right. There is a kite here, which is not actually visible to your human eye. And there is a person here, which is not actually visible to the human eye. But the system is able to identify both the kite and the person with a better percentage of accuracy. So. This is, this is what it is. So we are actually proceeding in a good direction and the kind of uh, research and the knowledge that we have have put us in a good pedestal and the tools that are growing on a day-to-day -day basis actually helping us. Once we put everything together, right, we can actually make technology think like humans to help businesses grow much better and much safer and much faster. And any questions? Hello. I think that is a nice example, Raman, um, regarding that um, conclusion point, like uh, what computers cannot do and what your humans uh, can do. And uh, that is the first time, like I am looking into that image, which is which is really great identification of how how it can be trained. So yeah, that's a good stuff. And uh, we have any questions from anyone? We can Raman can answer the questions. So do we have any other questions?
Hi, uh, this is Sarath here. Hi, Sarath. Yeah, uh, I just gone through your slides and maybe your presentation. Uh, it looks cool. Uh, my question is all about the uh, cost uh, effective. Since we are dealing with the uh, images, uh, uh, how much uh, uh, space and uh, what is the process which is required for the for the, for the environment setup? So, um, I mean, so it depends upon the um, magnitude in which you are going to do. So let's say if you're going to be concentrating just on one store, then it's not a big magnitude. So you can start on even a small um, uh, system, you know, small server on an AWS. But let's say you have thousands of stores, then again, we have to look into the magnitude at that time. So if you can give me some uh, idea about what you're looking for, or the magnitude of the business, then probably we'll be able to give a good idea about that. Uh, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just validating about the technical stuff, uh, how it will be uh, uh, balanced uh, with, with the with the huge servers, how it can be load balanced with these processes. I mean, load balancing should not be a problem because um, um, I mean, one of the projects that I worked on actually dealt with, um, um, I mean, more than thousands of uh, devices uh, hitting on the server at the same time and then calling on the uh, models. So definitely means, of course, it's a scalable problem and we can we we have scaled and it is definitely scalable. And even the models that we are generating, right? So sometimes, I mean, you are right. The concern is right. Sometimes the models can be bigger. It takes more time to process. In spite of it, yes, we'll be able to handle the um, um, load. Load. So, I mean, I'm confident it can be done. Uh, we have got another question from. Uh... Like uh, the question is, um, can you explain more on how to define, how to retrain Raman? Like, uh, if you want to retrain, how we can do that? That is the question we have got. Raman, can you can you? Um, Yeah, Raman, um, there is a question from the chat window from Ishwar, like how we can retrain, retrain the algorithms. Can you explain more on how we can retrain that algorithms? Uh, hope like he's on mute. Okay, Raman, we cannot hear you. Raman, I think you are on mute. Sorry, I, I think I was I was muted somehow. Sorry about that. Oh. I was actually yeah. answering twice. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm sorry about. I mean, I couldn't see because it was. Is it okay if I? Bring the screen down. It was full screen previously, yeah, yeah, so yeah, sure, I couldn't sure. see that. Yeah, like um, we can uh, we can stop sharing the screen and then we can answer the question if the screen share is not required. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, to to retrain, right? Um, so what the the difference in retraining is adding more images and adding more XML um, annotated uh, files to it. So again, the training pipeline takes more time. Sometimes it runs from six hours to ten hours. That's true. But once once we have these files in place, the retraining happens through the script. The entire entire thing is intact. Only the files change. 
So we have to change the files and uh, re-trigger the uh, pipeline for uh, retraining. Ishwar, does it answer your question? Yeah, it's fine actually. Yeah, I got the answer. Thank you. So the next one is uh, from Rajesh. Like um, for a small, small scale retail planogram different than warehouse. Like um, if there is any difference between the term um, planogram analysis for a small scale in the warehouse and what is the efficiency of yeah, the model? That you're def talking? Definitely. When it comes to small scale, we will be able to uh, train it better because uh, we will be able to identify the problems easily and we will be we will have more control but when it comes to the big chains the data increases tremendously and the number of images that is needed is um, significant for example the number of conditions that happens is significant i can give you a small example um, so let's say we have a t-shirt which is hanging in the hanger right and that that by itself has got like 15 to 20 scenarios just by blowing some wind the, the, the way which it changes, right? So the number of images that you want to take is more. So similarly, if there is going to be more items, the combination and the different uh, conditions on top of it, the complexity increases. So the smaller, the easier to control, the bigger, it is definitely going to be uh, more time consuming, more problematic, but again, nothing to worry because the bigger the problem, again, the solution is also coming very stronger. And uh, you know, the, the tools that we have today, we are in a much better position to hammer it in a much better way. That's good. I hope that answers some Rajesh's questions. Anyone else? Any other questions? Hi, I, I've also got a question um, coming basically from our needs. Uh, from big play, big retail players in the market. Um, a lot of them are contracting other companies to basically carry out inventory of, uh, of their products. And I'm just wondering if this model could also count basically how many items are on a show or come up with a prediction. And if so, how accurate would that be? Um, uh, uh, I didn't get the question fully. So is sure, it like uh, you I want... can I can help you uh, on that one. So Radu's mm -hmm. question is um, um, calculate that inventory. Like uh, if there is a shelf, and if you want to figure out like uh, how many, for example, like an um, 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 lace some um, chips some um, chips packets over there. What is mm -hmm. the inventory available in the shelf? Will the model count the inventory of the shelf? Exactly. The model the model will uh, give you so. So to be okay, let me put it precisely. The model will give all the metrics, which we will be able to use it to count the number of um, um, you know items on the particular shelf. So we'll get all the shelf details, all the items in the shelf detail in their arrangement and everything. But when it, let's say if you want the count, we can take the count. Let's say you want the arrangement, we can take the arrangement. So anything that you want can be calibrated from what we are able to get from the model. That's what is the idea. Does it answer your question? Uh, yes, thanks a lot. Yep. And uh, primarily, I do one one more um, point to add on. That one is uh, obviously like this is this is this is an identification of the shelf. But eventually, for inventory calculation, in the sense like um, we need to consider like what we have in our uh, like an um, stock. I mean, like um, if the items are not placed in uh, um, in that shelf, or even if one item is hidden behind that um, um, second item. Let's say that. Um, you have around um, like a five um, um, lace um, chips packet um, 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 hidden behind one, one behind one. I don't think the model can identify that five. Is that correct, Raman? Yeah. 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 So that is that is an um, like an um, um, potential use case um, risk here. If if you want to identify the inventories, all the products or all the inventories should be visible to the model. If it is hidden, hidden behind uh, one existing um, uh, item, then it is going to be tough for the model to identify. That that makes sense. So yes. it needs to be visible. So yeah. Whenever it goes at input in the model. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a question uh, related to whatever you told right now? 
Please, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. See, go we ahead. are about uh, you know if uh, the objects are hidden behind actually. So uh, uh, can I can I take it for granted that uh, this particular algorithm uh, does not use a three-dimensional space for identification, or it just uh, you know identifies by the you know uh, I don't know how to put it across. Like for example, you got a particular volume at a particular shelf. where you can keep uh, you know if the shelf is full right if you are able to find out one object uh, has got so much of volume right and if the shelf volume is so such that it can occupy uh, you know five packets of that right mm -hmm. uh, is there our algorithm is so uh, this thing that you cannot find out that if it is hidden yeah this is a very case to case um, um, uh, we have to solve this per case so let's say if we are going to deal it with um, uh, you know food based retail then we have to solve it differently if it is okay. going to be dress based then we have to solve it differently so this is a very you know peculiar case like specific case so we have okay. to handle it specifically but yes okay. we can use the three dimensional um, um, case to figure out how many items are there this is a general this is a general way but when it comes to specific um, um, problem then we have to add our custom logic on top of it top of it to make sure that we are having the right value okay great thank you i think gangadharan has actually raised his hand probably is waiting um gangadharan do you want to ask I, anything i could you know i just have been entered into that i said hi to oh okay hi okay i don't okay. have any questions about it thank you that that's my gangadharan just wanted to make sure yeah no anything like you are another question from business perspective sir what i am asking is uh, how effectively uh, today this particular uh, concept is uh, being used in the business scenarios uh, in an indian context as well as in a global context is it getting picked up uh, very fast or it is still on a trial basis of the so in the global context context definitely um the us market it is picking up very fast so okay. i've seen some of the products uh, some of the people are actually you know very aggressive in getting it happen and uh, this is the future i mean we are we are at the tipping point so okay. if you going to, if, we, if you are going to have the same question probably next year right this yeah. question might have been outdated so because the 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 media might have been flooded with the number of uh, product companies that are um, you know booming on doing this particular um, thing so we are actually on the tipping point because as i told you right uh, so the pro, even the aws um, uh, release the yeah. last week of june right that is yeah. that is expected to be a game changer the number the, the kind of problem that the uh, field had was because people did not have enough images to uh, start with but now if okay. they don't depend on any of the retail stores to start building their models right that is the yeah. game changer and once the number of models that's going to come i'm pretty sure there are going to be you know plenty of open source models out there and um, uh, you know i i wish i wish this question becomes outdated soon so that both of us you and me will be you know, yeah. enjoying the benefits of the industry great sir great thank you very much and uh, you feel these uh, companies like uh, online uh, retail companies can take a terrific out of uh, advantage out of this or uh, do you think it becomes a disruption after some time no i, I mean as far as um, you know computer is concerned right so it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's online or whether it's a real store so um, it's um, it's uh, it's pretty much you know anything that comes in and then you give a comparison value you find the patterns in the underlying thing if the intelligence can be used in the online market which already is being used yes yes yeah. it can be used there so as i as i told right object detection is the life of the all the application so once once we have object detection once we have all the values in place then writing a layer on top of it to fit our application is actually the simple simpler problem which we have already mastered so what Correct. we have not mastered is the object detection and that's where we are concentrating more so once okay. we have the data then everything is a cake work after that okay okay 
but ideally like um, that that brings up an um, another interesting scenario in the sense uh, um, online scenarios obviously like um, 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 how the market will be or how planogram will help online instead yeah. if it is online in the sense it is it has to be an um, analytics either it could be an um, hotjar analytics or it could be an um, any other google analytics or um, on this some um, 360 um, um, analytics that kind of an analytics will eventually help where the customer um, 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 moves and what kind of an um, 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 purchase action that they are doing yeah customer so, journey inside the story or see the online that is, that, is, yeah. that is that is completely different than um, 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 this this um, this this kind of an um, brick and mortar planogram analysis at the moment but yeah. might be like um, has raman said like um, 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 moving further definitely like the customer journey will merge between um, online and o- online and offline let us say like um, 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 there will be a bridge between online and offline so like if if a customer prefers uh, some specific uh, planogram model in offline he might be getting that exclusive access or exclusive view in his online portal also correct 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 so that kind of an, a collaboration might happen in future yeah because there are there are uh, buying journeys where you know the customer might not be very comfortable in buying something uh-huh. in online for example uh-huh. you don't buy a car today in online <laughs> so you you have a stores and you have a you know online analytics about car only but if you really mm-hmm. want to finish your sale you go to the uh, real physical space and buy it right yep. so those kind of things can be linked i think uh, if you use the planogram application perfectly right yep yep mm-hmm. yeah. yep mm-hmm. correct that's good great sir very interesting sir thank you very much for giving us so much of information i think we are really setting a journey for a new technology and a new thing yeah that's great thank you i think like we are we are on track um, um, with um, with regards the time and yeah. i think like um, you. just have around 6 um, 6 minutes to um, wind up the meeting yeah. and okay. uh, we will go for um, um, uh, yes um, thanks roman for this um, presentation and um, Vikram, would you like to um, check out the call and uh, give the closure note? Yes, uh, there was a. Yep, I'm sorry. You go ahead, uh, Vikram sir. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, there was a good session, Raman. Thank you, thank you for that. And uh, I would like to thank all the professionals who has joined with us today and make this session more interesting. We have no words uh, to offer gratitude for your valuable presence here. I would like to thank our honorable CEO, Mr. Madhukeswaran, and our data architect, Mr. Raman Narayanan, for spending their valuable time. Uh, we will be happy to share the recording session to your email shortly and keep you informed on the upcoming useful webinars. And once again, thank you for joining with us today, and you all have a very wonderful day. Take care and bye bye. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm. Have a great night. Bye. Mm-hmm.